1: Independence forever? Terrorists say no. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, today I'm recording this on July 4th, Independence Day. Independence Day is America's birthday. It's the uh commemoration of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. On July 4th, 1776, it was when the 13 American colonies separated from Great Britain. We got our independence. And these days, people think of uh, July 4th, Independence Day, (laughs) more in regard to barbecues, hot dogs, day off from work, and parades. And talking about parades, right before um, I sat down to do this recording and after I had been preparing and preparing and I thought um, you know I better check uh, to, with the news to see if anything new has happened um on July 4th that I should know about when I do this podcast and lo and behold um talking about parades lo and behold there was a parade in Highland Park um a an affluent suburb um of Chicago and there was a 4th of July parade where a shooter <laughs> just uh shot and killed six people and injured dozens now we don't know that he was a terrorist um this is ju- you know this is just uh fresh off the presses <laughs> so we don't know uh all we know is that the gunman is still on the loose at this time he is considered armed and dangerous. He's described as a white male with dark hair, 18 to 20 years old. He was wearing a blue or white T-shirt. And um interestingly, a witness said, quote, he was very military style, methodical in the way he was crouched and shooting, unquote. So could this be someone from the military, American military, who has PTSD or uh, which is really you know Fourth of July with all the firecrackers and so on triggers a lot of military people because it um uh, reminds them of when they were in the military and they were those those sounds were gunshots well, in Chicago, <laughs> they were gunshots um, so we have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh but my what I'm t- talking about today, my original plan and what I'm sticking to besides telling you about that, uh and it'll be interesting to see if that that does uh turn out to be a terror attack in Chicago, but um what what I want to talk to you about today is how America's independence is not assured. You know, we have I mean, when I was growing up, um, well, when I was growing up, <laughs> that was before 9-11, and before uh, terrorists, really radical Islamist terrorists, were really um, much of a threat, or that I knew of when I was growing up. Um, but nowadays, they are, and they still are, and Americans are very complacent when it comes to uh, independence, thinking that we will always have our independence. However, (laughs) they forget (laughs) that terrorists have something else in mind, and they have been planning for um, years and years and years to take over America, to make us abide by Sharia law, and so on. And so um, I'm going to be talking to you today about the danger is reminding you of, well basically the message is not to take American independence for granted. And um the I'm gonna be talking to you about the threats, current threats, you know, some threats that have been in the news recently that, that are examples of um the threats that we still face. So for example, we face um the threat of terrorists coming from other countries and perpetrating attacks in America. We uh, also have the threat or under the threat of um, terrorists, people who are living in America, but who came from outside and are now living in America, who are um, plotting attacks. And then um, Americans who are inside America, or who started inside America, and who are plotting attacks. And then I'm going to talk about... um, um not viol- there are other ways to attack america and there are people lobbying in washington dc to attack america in different ways in other words not by violence or um uh suicide vests or or something like that although these are some of these people have have um endorsed that but there are political ways to uh, attack america in terms of giving terrorists advantages. So, and then then at the end, uh, I'll have a surprise at the end. <laughs> okay, so let's start with terrorists outside America coming into America and um, potentially planning attacks. So as an example of this, as a recent example of this, I will tell you about the fact that um, There are terrorists – now, I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to give you some specific recent examples. Um, There is a terrorist screening database, and that has on it known or reasonably suspected of being involved of terrorist activities. People who are known or reasonably suspected of being involved in terrorist activities – now, the terrorist screening database, obviously, is supposed to keep terrorists out of America. however, with the craziness, the tsunami um at the southern border, and apparently uh at the northern border too um we haven't been hearing as much about that, but um the border patrol encountered fifty migrants just in this year um in the in the southern uh, bo- on the southern border, and one example of this is a person who's an example of this is, is Nardo Garcia Armando. So in April on April 18th, well he came into America and he was released um, through the southern border. And on April 18th he was released by the border patrol. Released, get this, released by the border patrol, even though he is on the terrorist screening database. And um, he was released with an ankle bracelet. So don't worry about it. He has an ankle bracelet on. Uh But he wasn't arrested until two weeks after his name was flagged by the FBI. So it's a good thing he didn't do anything in those two weeks. Um, so then uh on April 21st, the FBI matches him to the terrorist watch list. Then on May 4th, he was uh, authorized. There was an authorized rearrest. And then on May 6th, he was arrested in Florida. And on May 9th, he was released into ICE custody. Then I've talked to you about another example of this in a previous podcast, Shah- Shihab Ahmed Shihab. Um, in June of this year, the Border Patrol arrested, as I said, 50 migrants on the terrorist um on the terrorist screening database, the watch list. Um, And this this is compared to 15. So this is 50 in this year so far. And there were 15 in 2021. There were three in 2020, zero in 2019, six in 2018, and two in 2017. So needless to say... um, it has gone up tremendously. Now, apparently, also at the northern border, there were a total of 192 encounters, um, and I guess of terrorists on the terrorist watch list, which is really very interesting because we don't really hear about about um, terrorists coming in from the northern border. I wonder why we don't hear about it. <laughs> Could it be because the administration wants terrorists to come in, uh, wants wants lots of people to come in, um, including terrorists, uh, so that they will vote perhaps in the way that they want? Okay, now, here's an example, an interesting example, of an outside terrorist who um, are already in who were were living already, they didn't just come across the border, they were already living in the United States. And um he it, this one is came is was living in Brooklyn. And his name was uh, Dilkyot Kasimov, thirty four years old. He was sentenced um in June to fifteen years in prison for aiding the Islamic State, for aiding ISIS. And um he was involved in plots to strike within the United States including even possibly killing Barack Obama uh which is kind of interesting he is a citizen he was a citizen or he still is a citizen of Uzbekistan so um again this is a question about um you know who who the administration allowing all of these people in it's not clear how he got in. You know, I don't know that he came from the southern border or the northern border. Um, but, uh, he, you know, there are very lax um, policies for letting people come in from countries that are known to have a lot of terrorists. Um, he was, according to U.S. Attorney Richard Donahue, Kasimov, quote, was part of a conspiracy in which he willingly and eagerly sought to help fund a foreign fighter's travel and expenses in Syria to wage violent jihad, unquote. Um, assistant Attorney General for National Security said, quote, is an ISIS supporter who collected and gave money to another individual to fund his travel to join the terrorist group. And then um, a U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York testified, that he was part of a group of individuals who sought to travel to Syria, like he was going to travel to Syria, not just fund the others um, to join ISIS or to fund the others um, to bring foreign fighters from ISIS here. But he wasn't only interested in Syria. Actually, this um, this he came to the attention of law enforcement in August 2014. He's just being he was just convicted <laughs> in June. But he came to the attention of law enforcement in August 2014 after, um, this group, he and this group posted on a Uzbek language site, a a Uzbek language pro-ISIS website saying they would kill Barack Obama if they were ordered to by ISIS. (laughs) Now, (laughs) um, my, now it's, it's really kind of ironic because, um, Obama is the president um, who, who has made us the most vulnerable to terrorists than any other pre- president before or after, except for Biden, where Biden is being directed by um, Obama uh in general and including um, to making us more vulnerable to terrorists. Now, as I've talked about in previous um, podcasts, not for a while, though, you know, I've talked about how really Obama um, you know, has, uh, was trained in a, um in, um, he, he has deep, you know, his father, his stepfather has deep Muslim radical, to say, you know, he's, he's not acknowledging the radical part, but roots. So it's no wonder that he is, he made us the most vulnerable to terrorists. Yes, I know there are going to be some people listening to this to say, who are saying that that's not true, but this is what my research has come up with. And his actions have supported the hell with my research. <laughs> it's what he's done um anyway so um so that was twenty fourteen then he was convicted um he was convicted in twenty nineteen He was just sentenced just this past month, but he was convicted in twenty nineteen um when he was named quote named and an named in an indictment that charged three other men in a plot to assist the Islamic State. So, um and these his friends, you know, who were his co conspirators, um, and oh, and there's no word about him being deported after he completes his prison sentence, which probably um isn't he probably won't have to serve, you know, all of it because because people are getting out. He got fifteen years, but you know what? <laughs> uh we'll see how many he actually serves. Anyway, he he and his co-conspirators um well you know, were involved in these um, plans with ISIS, as I just mentioned. But there are other foreign individuals who are security risks um inside the United States, and I'll give you some examples. A Somali Muslim migrant who stabbed multiple patrons at a restaurant owned by an Israeli Arab Christian. Um, Ahmad Khan Rahami, an Afghan Muslim migrant who set off bombs in New York City and New Jersey. Arkan Setin, a Turkish Muslim migrant who murdered five people in a mall in Burming- Burlington, Mar- Washington. Now, those aren't, these are just some of the past ones. These aren't, um, as recent as the one that I uh, started with, um Kasimov. Um, Dahir Aden, another Somali Muslim migrant who stabbed mall shoppers in St. Cloud, Minnesota, while screaming, Allahu Akbar. And Abdul Razek At-Artan, another Somali Muslim migrant, who injured nine people with car and knife attacks at Ohio State University. So some these are some of the people who have come to America, who have gotten into America, and who have perpetrated attacks. Okay. Wow, time flies when you're talking about terrorist attacks. All right, I will stop um, this segment, and in the next one, I will talk to you about this Kansas mother who was born in Kansas, you know, raised in Kansas, went to the college in, in in America, and she became a... Um, an ISIS battalion leader. So stay tuned.
0: You've been listening to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the terrorist therapist show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll.
1: Welcome back to the terrorist therapist show, where we're talking about independence forever. Terrorists say no. And in the first segment, I've been just telling you about some of those terrorists who uh, have had in mind taking over America with attacks. Now this is you know it's one thing when people come from the outside, and you know i mean that's bad obviously that's bad enough, but when there are people who are born in America who um have all the freedoms uh to enjoy this wonderful country and who then become uh join isis um you know, that obviously they're traitors and uh and that is just more of a conundrum. I mean, obviously as a psychiatrist, I would love to put I do have to put some of these people on my couch because I would love to know what turned people like Allison Fluke Ekron into a terrorist. Um, clearly it has something to do with her her time in college and I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Um, she turned Uh, ISIS battalion leader. And she, why she's in the news now is because she just, uh, pled guilty. She, she pled guilty. She, um, accepted a plea deal. And she is from Kansas. She left the U.S. to join terrorist movements in the Middle East. She, um, just pled guilty to organizing and leading an all-female military battalion for ISIS. She's 42. She, um, left the U.S. in 2008 following her second husband. Now, clearly, she must have had, <laughs> she must have also been scarred by the divorce from her first husband because her second husband, Volkan Ekren, um, is a terrorist, um, or was a terrorist. He died. Um, but she uh she followed her her second husband Vulcan, to Egypt with her four children before moving to Libya now imagine that she had not only did she risk her own life and make this decision to become a terrorist for herself but she took her four children not going to be voted mother of the year anytime soon um she traveled uh with him to Turkey and Syria and Iraq, and eventually led a women's center in Raqqa. Uh, she provided medical services, child care, educational services about ISIS teaching. She taught them. <laughs> she taught people. uh She taught little kids. I mean, that makes it even worse. She taught little kids about radical Islamist views. In 2017, she was put in charge of an all-female ISIS military battalion known as Katiba Nusayba. Uh, she trained women and girls how to use automatic uh, AK-47s, how to fire these assault rifles, grenades, and suicide belts. She also, in addition to training them on weapons, she also provided training in martial arts she was very talented i mean you know obviously she was a smart woman and a very accomplished woman in in you know who learned all these things she probably learned of course most of them there uh in the middle east but still she um was able to be a teacher <laughs> and uh she taught them martial arts medical training um v b i e d driving courses ISIS religious classes, and how to pack and prep a go bag, you know, a to-go bag with rifles and other military supplies. So she um, pled guilty to conspiring to provide material support or resources to ISIS, and she faces a maximum of 20 years in prison. We'll see how many she gets. Um, Let's see. She, what we know about her, she was formerly from Topeka, Kansas, and um, she, she, um, this battalion that she was the head of, um, they were, they they had the job of defending ISIS interests in the Syrian city of Raqqa, and she was—they were supposed to defend. Um, uh, they were supposed to defend ISIS against enemies of ISIS. So who was who are enemies of ISIS? You know, it would be American soldiers and um, and other uh, nationals who came there to help Americans against you know against ISIS. And she was. Uh, she also trained them how to sneak behind enemy positions. With AK-47s and detonate explosives after the um, gun ammunition ran out. Um, what else? She taught more than a hundred women and girls. I may have said that. Now her background: she studied biology. I guess that's useful. She's going to be a terrorist <laughs> and do weapons. I don't know. At the University of Kansas, and later she studied at Earlham College in Indiana. So she, after she married her second husband, as I said, she you know went to the Middle East, and and she, besides doing all these other things that I mentioned, she assisted her husband with reviewing and summarizing documents that were stolen during the September 11th, 2012 attack on the U.S. compound in Benghazi. Um, she provided details, so she translated them, and she, and she provided details from these documents to leaders of the terrorist organization Ansar al Um So this husband, her second husband, who she left the U.S. with, eventually became a leader of ISIS snipers in Syria, and he was then killed in a drone strike. Now, what do you think that did to her? It made her um, feel all the more um dedicated to devoted to ISIS and against the US. she- but well, she was very um what? She was very sexy. She was very uh I don't know. She was very um marriage minded. Um she married two other ISIS men who died for the cause. I at least she made them happy before they died, I presume. Um and this included another one who was killed in a U.S. drone strike. So again, each time her husbands were killed, you know, she became more anti-American. Um, and she she also helped them helped ISIS um, figure out where to attack on U.S. soil, like where there would be the highest number of people in America, and you know what would be the best targets, including. Um colleges she wanted them sh yes she won some of her suggestions included parking a vehicle uh filled with explosives at a shopping mall parking garage and detonating it from a cell phone I mean that's been done so um but anyhow, maybe it was her idea <laughs> um she also discussed ideas um about how to attack the campus of a midwestern college involving explosives so that is why i say that you know remember she went to college in um in the midwest and um clearly she did not have a good experience there and um so that's why she you know had came up with the idea of attacking a, a college a midwestern college um in 2018 she asked an isis member to get a, me- a message to her family saying that she was dead so that the U.S. government would stop looking for her and she wanted to die in Syria as a martyr. So she stayed affiliated with ISIS until around May 2019 when she was smuggled out of ISIS territory. She married a fifth time and she uh, turned herself over. I guess maybe she didn't like that husband or he died or something. <laughs> She turned herself over to a local Syrian police force in the summer of 2021, and she was kept in a prison until she was extradited to the U.S. and where she now faces 20 years. Okay, so now let's talk about let's start to talk about um, this other way of attacking America, which is through Congress and through lobbying congress and p- p- other politicians now there is a terror linked muslim group a, a terror linked muslim umbrella group that in other words that where there are members in this group from various muslim organizations and who have um links to terror organizations i mean this is not just a nice group of muslims and again not all terrorists are Muslims, and not all Muslims are terrorists, of course. but this particular group um, that I'm going to tell you about uh does have links to terrorists, and they are coming to Congress as they do every year. this is their seventh year, but they came in June, and they um met with as many uh congressional representatives as they could. And the name of this group, and these are hundreds of Islamists um, from around the country, Um, they came with an extremist agenda, and the the group is called the U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations. And they descended upon the capital, um, and they have major terrorist ties that I'm going to tell you about, and um, some of the, uh it's not just their ties, but some of the people who are acting as the delegates of this organization are just as radical. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you about some of the specific people um, who are involved with this uh, U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations. And what they what they um what their agenda is, what they were talking to Congress about, and you will see how this is um equally dangerous as the terrorist attacks that I was talking about in the first segment um well, and this last and also about uh, well, the last one as well, but the first segment was primarily about people. Uh, who were going to be uh, perpetrating terrorist attacks in America. Well, actually, the woman from Kansas, she wanted to attack colleges and so on, also in America. So all of those people that I was just talking to you about um, were uh, terrorists who wanted to, uh, were involved in organizations and plans to um, perpetrate attacks in America, violent attacks, you know. But now we're going to talk, in the next segment, we're going to talk about the attacks, so to speak, Uh, on Congress, the attacks on the minds of Congress people. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
0: You've been listening to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll.
1: Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, which I am recording on July 4th. The purpose of which is to uh, help people not be complacent in America and think that Independence Day is every day and is going to last forever um because terrorists have another idea. So today's show is called independence forever. Terrorists say no. It's not going to be uh independence forever if terrorists have their way. So, um I've been talking about the different threats that there are. Terrorist radical Islamist terrorist threats from outside the country to perpetrate attacks on America. From people even born in America who want to perpetrate attacks on America. And now I'm talking about, um, the organization, uh, the U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations. And that, um, is armed not with weapons, not with suicide belts today. I mean, when they came to, con- well, we hope they weren't, when they went to Congress in June for their annual lobbying efforts. With an agenda to attack America from the inside, again, not with weapons but with uh, policy, so um I'm going to tell you about some of the people who are involved with this um as I mentioned previously these this organization has major terrorist ties. Some of the people who are even the delegates who are meeting in Washington are just as radical so um let me tell you about well first of all it was founded this organization the u s c m o was founded in march twenty fourteen uh to provide mainstream american islamist groups a bigger- w- voice and influence in politics now that would that sounds okay right <laughs> sort of <laughs> um except the fact that it's really i mean it's not so much it would be okay i mean it sounds benign except that um wait till you hear who are some of the people involved um these well first of all the groups some of the groups who are involved in this organization of groups you know this uh uh organization of organizations right um some of the groups involved include the hamas terrorist group the hamas linked council on uh um Council on American Islamic relations care. You know, care um uh the Council on American Islamic relations, um you know, which is that's where um, that purports to be sort of a, a PR group after nine eleven. Um and but really it is it's it's not so the idea was to prevent um discrimination of Muslims. You know, that sounds great. And yes, there I totally agree there should not be any discrimination of Muslims. However, it's really um it, it, that's that <laughs> it's really hiding as being a group about that. I mean it does some of that. It files lots of lawsuits, for example, uh for about discrimination, but it has much a much darker agenda than that. Um, and so um also included in this organization of organizations is the south asian terror related i c n a um, also the muslim brotherhood associated muslim american society um, now this is the seventh annual this june we, we the month ago was the seventh annual muslim advocacy day on capitol hill um it also has um an organization there Islamic Relief um and which is an organization oh both ICNA and Islamic Relief are organizations that have been banned by a number of nations due to their t- terrorist financing but they are part of this main organization mm-hmm. Council of Muslim Organizations <laughs> US Council of Muslims Organ- u s council of muslim organizations u s c m o this umbrella organization has all of these organizations in it that have ties radical islamist ties and they are sort of hidden you know they they hide behind these other uh names and other um claims to be just you know trying to um, have um democracy for Muslims or you know not be discriminated against or other good things. <laughs> okay, so on the board of this USCMO is a man named Mazin Mokhtar and he is the former administrator for the now he was the former administrator for the now defunct al-Qaeda recruitment and financing site. Um and this site referred to suicide, uh, oh, and he, not just the site, but he himself, referred to suicide bombings as, quote, an effective mev- method of attacking the enemy. Uh, then we have Siraj Wahaj, a Brooklyn imam who was named a party to the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and who has been linked to the bomb maker of the attack who's named Clement Rodney Hampton L. Um, And also linked to AMP Executive Director Osama Abirshade. And this man, Obama, Osama, (laughs) Osama, um, threatened in January 2020, quote, Palestinians, if they don't take what they want willingly, they will take it forcefully. We're going to liberate our land, whether they like it or don't like it. So they threatened Israel. Then, then those are the people on the board. Some of the people on the board of this USCMO. Um, but now, some of the delegates who are coming to Congress and talking—I mean, I'm sure the board members are talking to Congress people too. But some of the delegates, not on the board, but just delegates. At this Muslim advocacy advocacy day, they are just as radical as the board members. So we have, for example, Syed Hamar Ahmed, and in February 2020, following a debate he participated in at a school, he said, quote, I hate white people. He He called himself a terrorist. And at the suggestion of an acquaintance, he joked that he, quote, should have threatened to blow up the school. These are the people who are meeting with Congress and promoting their agenda. And I'll tell you about their agenda after I tell you about some of these people. Um, another uh, a member of, of this um, group, another delegate, is... Um, Care California CEO and, apolo- and apologist for Al-Qaeda operatives held at Guantanamo, uh, Hussam Elush. And this past May, he called for Israel's destruction. <laughs> and he said that Palestinians have a legal right to resist, meaning commit terrorist acts in Israel. So a lot of these people, you know, not only want to take over America, but they want to destroy Israel. Another delegate is Care San Francisco Executive Director Zara Bilak, blue. Sorry. Um, in January 2007, oh, it's a woman. In January 2007, yes, I forgot that. In January 2007, she wrote that she had thought of committing. Listen to this. She thought of committing suicide after she noticed a pro-Israel poster on a San Francisco train. Now, you don't have to be a psychiatrist to realize that there is something wrong with this woman. She saw a pro-Israel poster on a San Francisco train, and she thought of killing herself. I mean, perhaps she thought she would be a martyr if they she wrote something, you know, explaining why she killed herself. I don't know. But then in December 2008, she posted on her blog that she was thinking of starting a website to recruit volunteers to attack Israel. Uh, in March 2008, she had labeled U.S. troops, quote, scum. In uh, September 2007, she wrote, apartheid, Israel is not a country. Anyway, so she was obviously another anti-Israel terrorist. Um, now, here are some of the agenda items. That they are supposed to be, and I'm sure did, talk to uh, lobby members of Congress about. So there are three main um, agenda items. The first one is uh, the targeted violence and terrorism prevention organization that the government, that the U.S. government, Department of Homeland Security, has created, and so they have a grant program. And they provide funding to governmental and non-governmental entities. Uh, it's a counterterrorism organization or, you know, plan. And But the U.S. CMO sees it as targeting Islamic militants. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, counterterrorism, that's what it would be doing. So the delegates were instructed to lobby in favor of resolutions that would weaken it, severely weaken it we don't want any counter terrorism organizations in the department of homeland security <clears throat> no no second issue they were lobbying about is um for citizenship for evacuees from afghanistan now uh, as i've talked about in previous podcasts a number of afghans who were evacuated um had security significant security concerns they weren't vetted uh sufficiently and, um, there, you know, this is an, uh, this is a, um, laying in wait, really. We have, uh an accident waiting to happen, a terrorist, uh, terrorist attacks waiting to happen with these Afghans who were not our friends. Yes, a lot of them did help Americans in Afghanistan, but there were others who snuck in who are not our friends. So, um... Several Afghans who have been applying for asylum in the U.S. have associations with the Taliban. But, um, do you, and, and listen to this, this umbrella organization, the USCMO, this umbrella organization of lots of um, organizations who have terrorist ties, they are officially involved in assisting in the resettlement of Afghans. Like, hello? That... <laughs> That is a clear conflict of interest, yet that is what our government is allowing to happen and if, if you remember, I was mentioning about Obama, who is really behind Biden since Biden doesn't know what he's doing from day to day um and so um, um Obama is able to again make our country even more vulnerable to terrorists so um so they these Um, delegates talking lobbying Congress, they want Congress to, quote, allow the tens of thousands of Afghan evacuees to apply to become lawful permanent residents one year after arrival. Now, there is no way that the tens of thousands of Afghan um, arrivals could be vetted sufficiently to become permanent residents within one year. It's just impossible. The third issue that they're lobbying about concerns Islamophobia. Um, This term, I mean, yes, there is such a thing as Islamophobia. It is a bad thing. Um, People should not, you know, people should care about other people for what's in their heart, not because of how they look. Okay. But, um, but there is this word is being thrown around to silence people who crit- criticize um, radical Islamist terrorism. And so these delegates were instructed to um, urge the members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to adopt the International Combating Islamophobia Act. This was an introduced, and I think I mentioned this in a previous um Podcast in terms of it being introduced by Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is a, is a terrorist, really, uh, within our, within Congress and, um, very, very, very dangerous. And so she introduced this, this, uh, legislation and they are lobbying, lobbying to support it. And it would establish A special envoy office to monitor and combat quote this this um, this act would establish a special envoy office to monitor and combat international Islamophobia international Islamophobia, but the main part is um, in America. You know, trying using this to stifle free speech, to stifle stifle counterterrorism, really, and um, so they're all they are all uh three agenda items that are made to um purpose of which are to is to um make america more vulnerable to terrorism and this is their seventh year of coming to congress and you know in the years um in prior years when um when obama um and biden weren't the president um, they didn't make very much headway, but now they are it's, it's a big danger because um there is more of a uh a friendlier Congress or some of the people who are you know under the direction of the White House. it's a friendlier Congress now, last but not least, so those are some examples um of terrorists wanting to destroy us wanting to um take away our independence um and so who is going to protect us now do you think the people who cry for defund the police protest and defund to defund the police and who are having um an incredibly uh, incredible amount of success in terms of uh, we're losing police by the day whether it's because of these protests Protesters killing them, injuring them, uh or police thinking to themselves, "What am I doing this for? I don't get paid enough to risk my life um to all these people for all uh, with all these people who are trying to kill us. I mean, we are losing people they're retiring if they're close to retirement, they're thinking, Why do I need to spend an extra couple of years um Some of them are more than a couple, you know they're still. They they they, they're quitting or retiring. They don't want to. It's not worth it. And and besides the danger, because there was always some danger of getting killed or injured, but of course it's it's risen in the past few years. Um, like since uh, George Floyd, it's risen to unbelievable proportions that they're that they're injuring and killing police. But it's also the disrespect. I mean, being a policeman was at one time considered a very um status that was status and um and you know coming from neighborhoods and like you have the friendly policemen coming to school elementary school, talking about what they do, and that 's what got people to um to want to be a policeman I mean besides other things people who have had uh, police who helped their family, all different things and it was a, it was you know it was a very proud thing to be now police you know by some people, I mean, there's this movement afoot, there has been this movement afoot, especially since George Floyd, with protests and so on, to to uh, attack the police. And so, and not only that, but there are these, um, even when the police arrest people for doing criminal acts, then they have to, um, they they arrest them and the um judges and the uh district attorneys who are progressive are letting the people out without bail or with low bail um or are you know doing giving small sentences and um in chicago which is kind of ironic because you know i was going to tell you about this and then as i said right before i started to uh talk on the podcast i saw the um attack in Chicago, you know, the, the attack on the July 4th parade in a suburb of Chicago. Now you want to know what they do. In, and we, I, as I said, we don't know yet. I don't know yet if I'm recording this, whether he's a terrorist or not, but he killed people and injured people. And, um, if he were arrested, um, you know, and brought into a court, depending upon the court, he might well be told, to, um, he might well not be held or given, you know, small bail or, you know, he would probably be held to some degree because this is a big deal attacking a parade, (laughs) but, um, you know, he would not likely get a very long sentence, but you know what they're doing in Chicago Um, instead of holding people in jail or giving them long prison sentences? They are doing peace circles, peace circles. Um, in Chicago, this year so far, there have been 1,120 people shot. I mean, Chicago is one of the places, uh, Chicago, New York, um, these are some of the places where there is really high crime and high deaths. So um, the police defund- defunders, the people who are out to defund the police, have been tasked in Chicago to um, come up with restorative justice alternatives. Alternatives to what's called the three P's, police, prosecutors, and prisons, right? We shouldn't have police, prosecutors, and prisons. We should have P, peace circles. <laughs> I wonder if that's why they came up with another P. Um, in these peace circles, what they do is to ask the criminals to apologize to their victims. Uh The criminal meets with the victim and says, I'm sorry, and then leaves a free man to commit more crimes now there are pro crime politicians in chicago i mean you know who probably live in another state well like they couldn't live in another state but they probably live someplace where they think they're protected but now that there's been this uh, mass shooting in a um in an affluent suburb of chicago maybe they're going to realize that they're not protected um there are also peace circles in school And now there's a new thing called a trained facilitator of these peace circles, a new job, and they people are are calling themselves trained facilitators. They're hanging out their shingles, and that's what they're doing. Now they're saying that they that it comes from Indian culture, and there there is there is are peace circles in Indian culture, but that's not what this is. I mean, you know, it's an insult to the Indians. Um. So. there are different examples um of people who have been i mean there are countless examples of people who have been um who have, instead of getting a a a term a sentence that is appropriate to their crime they have been allowed to be in peace circles say they're sorry and then they go out and um have killed again now another example of someone who um who uh you know another example of protection that we would be counting on against terrorists would be West Point you know the the cadets who are trained at west point well instead instead of training the- cadets about um military tactics and strategies and um you know how to protect America, like if they go and serve um, uh instead they are being taught critical. Race theory and anti whiteness. They're being taught to be ashamed of America and to feel bad about the country that they are then going to be sent out theoretically to protect. So, not only are there all these different ways that terrorists are trying, still have not given up trying to attack us, but we are losing our protectors. Think about that when you, um, When you look back on July 4th and um, think about hot dogs and and barbecues, instead of how fortunate we are and how, how precious our independence is, please tell people about how important it is to protect our independence. We cannot just be complacent and count on it. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I'm so upset about what <laughs> this means so much to me, what I've been talking about, that um, I got rattled. So, thank you for listening. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, therapist. Dot com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carroll, your terrorist therapist.
0: Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.